So we've been in this uh, series as we come through Lent and we prepare our hearts for Easter about the gospel. And now the gospel changes everything, changes everything. And so as we've gone into that, we just talked about last week a little bit about the power of God in our lives and how the gospel releases that power of God in our lives. And it's not just about like us doing, but God can do something in us and we can have the life that he designed us for so that we're not living this life where we're trying to prove something to others or we're trying to hide something from our past or we're trying to, we're, we're fearful of the future or where inside of us we just think there's something that's going to be lost in what God has for us and so we're afraid to give him consent to all the places in our life and God has so much for us. And so last week we started by this just talking about the theme verse for this entire Lent series, which is Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, where Paul, the Apostle Paul, follower of Jesus, writes to Christians in Rome, to people who are already following Jesus and know the gospel, and he writes this. He says, this is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome, also to those of you who already know Jesus, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation. In other words, you you think you already know this, and you have the knowledge of this, but he says, I'm eager to come preach it to you again and again and again because the power of the gospel is to actually change your life. Not just change what you know, but change everything about the way you live and change the interior of who you are so that how you live is now out of the grace and the goodness of God. That's a whole different way to live your life. And so we talked about the true nature of the gospel. If you weren't here last week, you should go back and check it out. The, the whole message is about the true nature of the gospel and unpacks that a little bit so you can understand it. So I'm just going to do a, a quick review this morning because we're going to spend the, the next four weeks yet as we lead up to Easter and what is the power of the gospel. And so here, here's the gospel. Here's basically this illustration we used last week about the gospel to help us understand what is the gospel. And the gospel is basically this, that, that God... This good, God is good, and he is loving, and he is kind. And he looked down on humanity when humanity kind of thumbed their nose at God and went their own way. You know, we all kind of come up short. We don't do things the way we should. All of that is true. And so God kind of looked down on as kind and loving that he is, looked down on us, and he said, listen, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to incarnate. I'm going to become incarnate. I'm going to send my son in the flesh. And so God said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shoulder all of your shortcomings. I'm going to shoulder all of your sin. All that stuff's going to be put on me in the cross. This is what we celebrate at Easter. This is why Christ come, came, because God said, I'm coming to you. You'll never get to me. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to pursue you. This is what we sang about, right? Like, God said, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to come to you. And he said, if you'll believe, this is what Jesus said, if you'll believe in me, if you'll entrust yourself to me, if you'll say, you know what, I can't do this on my own, Jesus, I need you to come alive and to live the life that you designed for me. By faith, he says, I will declare you, listen, a child of God, a loved son, and a loved daughter. And your standing will be made clear and permanent. You don't have to worry about anything. By faith, this is what happens. And then out of who you are, comes your whole life, everything that you do. Now, here's the problem. You and me, especially me, this is a sermon I preach to myself. I have to preach this gospel myself all the time. 
hanging on to the bottom rung. Now we, we, you, some of you showed up today. You know this part. You, you, know that God, you know that people say that God's good and kind. You know that he sent his son. You know that maybe he died on the cross. We'll, we'll talk about that more in Easter and what that all means. But you know that that stuff happened. But the truth is you're like, it kind of ends here. Like God came this far, and I've got to meet him in the middle. And so you hang on to this bottom rung. You're like me. You're just hanging on to that bottom rung. And you're like, I got to do. So maybe then I can become good enough, you know, that God might, I might be acceptable to God. I gotta be at least acceptable to God, right? Like, so you're hanging on to this bottom rung. You're saying, if, 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 if I do enough, if I'm good enough, if I succeed enough, if, 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 then maybe, then maybe I can be loved. And that's that's kind of the problem for all of us. Now, here's the thing: it is part of human nature, and this is what I love about this passage we're gonna read today. Paul writes it 2,000 years ago, and it is so insightful. It's 2,000 years old, and you read it, and you're like, yeah, that's my problem. Yeah, that's Paul. You just, you just hit the nail right on the head again. And so here, here's the deal. Throughout human nature, transcendent to all the cultures, like it doesn't matter whether you're from the West or the East. This is just part of how we do things and what we are, and especially in the West. I think it's so prevalent. And let me, let me, let me show you what I mean. This whole what I do thing determines who I am. It, you, just, you just think this way. And I'm going to tell, tell you how default it is. You don't even know that you do this. When you meet someone new for the first time, right, there's a couple questions you ask them. I guarantee you this is one of them, right? What do you, uh, well, I mean, why do you ask that question, right? What do you do? You all knew that, you knew that's the question you ask, right? And does anyone ever respond to you and say, well, I brush my teeth, I go to the bathroom, I cope, these are all things I do. I ride my bike. Like, these are all things I do. No. What do you proclaim? Oh, here's my career. Here's what I get done. Here, let me show you my trophies and my accomplishments and what I'm all about, right? Why don't we go up to people? I mean, if we really believe this, if this was really true for us, why wouldn't we go up to people and say, tell me who you are? I mean, I know why. Because most people in our culture would be like, Right? And they would kind of run away because they're like, what kind of question is that? Who am I? I don't even know how to answer that question. And yet that is what the gospel proclaims over our life over and over. In his book, Robert, Robert McGee's book, Search for Significance, identifies this, what he calls the big lie. And it is so prevalent. And, it is so, now, and most of us wouldn't say it this way. But when, when I say it, you're going to be like, oh, right? Like, if I fail to perform, I am not worthy of love. And deserve to be punished. None of you, you'd say, well, I don't, no, 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 I believe the gospel. And yet, when you mess up, if I asked you, do you feel guilty after you ask for forgiveness, you repent, you'd be like, yeah, I still feel guilty. Do you punish yourself? Yeah, I still punish myself. Then you don't, this is not true for you yet. Not fully. You're not fully experiencing it yet, right? Because you're like, oh, well, I messed up, so I, I better climb the ladder at least to this rung. To get back there. God says, no, the gospel is so much more powerful. Than that, that has no power in your life. This is what Paul's saying. I'm preaching this other, the gospel to you because it's so hard for you to accept. And it's so important because you believe this, that if you fail to perform, you are not worthy of love and you deserve to be punished. Somewhere deep inside of our human nature, in our brokenness, every one of us has a little bit of that going on. And it's built right in. 
And, it, and it, I mean, let's face it, it, it shows up in how, how we, you know, we get ready for Christmas with our kids, right? If, you're a, if you do good things, you're a good boy or good girl, and you get gifts, right? And if you don't, you're a bad boy or bad girl, and you get coal. Anybody ever gotten coal? My mom actually tells a story of when she was a kid, her sister got coal in her stock, and I was like, are you serious? Like, they gave her coal for Christmas? She's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, well, then they brought out the real presents, right? She's like, oh, no. I was like, whoo, man, I just get some family of origin education, right? Like, wow, right? Like, that was, I was like, wow, right? But, the, but like, in, when we go to school, how many of you, like, you went to school, what's constantly being evaluated? Your performance. Every single exam, you're like, Oh, down deep in you, you're gut-wrenching. Like, am I going to go in this? Am I going to pass it? Am I going to get an A? What am I going to do? And it's constantly being evaluated. And down deep in you, right, there's something stirring. There's anxiety. There's like, if I fail to perform, am I worthy of love? Am I going to, like, do, am, I, am I really going to get there? Like, in us, there's just so we spend our lives, right, proving ourselves to our parents, to our friends, to our coworkers, to our spouse, to our children, everyone. Like, we're just... Trying to prove, look, I'm worthy of love. I'm worthy of love. And this is, this is where we're all at. Like, and, and, I, and I don't know about you, like, this is so, this was so preeminent in my life, and I have struggled so long with it. Like, I would, I would even put it this way. I'm only as good as the last thing I did. That's why I felt. Every time, you know, I'd get on, I'd perform, and I'd do that thing, and everybody gives you accolades for that. But as soon as it was over, I'm like, I better do the next thing. Better do the next thing, because I'm only as good as the last thing I did. I felt it. I lived it. Like, even though I had my faith in Christ, like, I'm still climbing up the ladder. What if you could live different? Like, what if, what if it's actually possible for you and for me to be able to live our lives, like, anxiety-free? We can go into that exam, and we can go after that A, but we don't have such anxiety about it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great, like, if you could go after that project at work that had these deadlines, and you're like... I don't know if we're going to get it done, but let's go after it together. Like, I'm, I'm all in, right? But, I, but I'm not, like, laying awake at night, spinning and worried about it. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Because that is the gospel that God wants for us. The gospel has the power to set you free, to release you, to help you understand that there is nothing to prove anymore. That would change everything, right? That's what we want to talk about today. So I want to start today by going after the gospel, and, and just start at the top of the ladder. Just a reminder for us this morning, at the top of the ladder of who God is, because I think most of us, when we answer this question of who God is, we have a lot of answers that maybe you learned if you grew up in church, you probably have a lot of church answers. If you didn't grow up in church, probably a lot of answers that you're taking guesses at, and like, well, I think probably this. I've heard, Pastor, I've heard you say this before. I want you to get, I just want to establish some truth. It's like what, what that song Waymaker says, right? Like, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't know it, even when, like, you're always at work. Like, that's making a declaration of who God is despite your circumstances. But most of us have a hard time with that. So let's just, let's just declare that for a second. I want to start with who God is. In Psalm 103, this is what, this is who God is. This is the declaration of who God is. The Lord is compassionate. Who is God? He is compassionate. Passionate. He is slow to anger. He is gracious. He is abounding in love. Now, if you're like me, you read those kind of verses, and some of you are like, boy, I'm glad I don't have as many issues as you. But 
if you're like me, you read those kind of verses and you're like, well, that's true for other people. I'm just not sure if it's true for me. Like there are just times in my life where I'm like, right? Like there's a little doubt in there. So here's what I want to do. I want to read that verse again. After each of those descriptors of God, I want us to say it aloud and say to me after each one. Got that? Compassionate to me. Like we're just going to read through it and declare that over our life. And I want you to listen to your own voice say it. Don't listen to everybody else. Listen to your voice say it. Let it be true for a moment. Let, let, let yourself experiment with that truth for a moment, okay? The Lord is compassionate to me. Let's try it again with more enthusiasm. The Lord is compassionate to me and gracious to me, slow to anger to me, abounding in love to me. What if that was true? Like, not just like, I know it, but like, I know it, and I live out of it. Like, wouldn't that change everything? And like, despite all the, all the things in your life that might be painful, or the circumstances that don't go perfectly right, because we live in a broken world, what if... Above all of that was this truth that you lived out of that God is so good and compassionate and gracious to each of us. That, that's what Paul wants to unpack. If you read all of the writings of Paul, he's just unpacking that over and over again, the gospel for us. So we're going to jump into Galatians 4 today. And I want, you to, I want you to hear Paul unpacking for the church in Galatia the gospel. To say, here's what's true for you, and it's so pertinent to this idea of, I have nothing to prove. Here it is. It says, but when the right time came, God, who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, God, sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. That means he was born as human, fully God. Fully man, subject to human nature, subject to temptation, subject to the whole thing that we have to deal with, fully divine, fully man, subject to all of it. And God sent him to buy freedom. What did God do? God sent him to buy our freedom back to those who were slaves to the law. Why do you need freedom? Because we are all slaves to the law, climbing the ladder, saying I better be good enough, or failing at being good enough to say, like, maybe I'll be, maybe if I do all the right things, then I'll be good enough. Why are, like, you feel the weight of that? Like, you ever had, you ever had lots of rules around you? And, like, you're, sometimes you're like, oh, rules are good. I like to follow rules. But the weight of it just crushes you, and you keep, every time you come up short, right? Like, you're like, oh. So here's what God did. He sent his son to buy our freedom. Paul goes on to say, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. He sent his son to buy our freedom so that those who would believe in, those who would entrust themselves to, those who would put their faith in Jesus would be declared, proclaimed, permanently have a status of, who are you? A child of God. That is the gift of faith. That is why faith, see, see God goes this way. We want to go this way, but God goes this way. He says, I'm coming after you to proclaim you, to allow you to put your faith in, to help you recognize you can't do this on your own. 
And moreover, he says, and because we are his children, because now you, you put your faith in Christ, because you can become his child, he sent the spirit of his son into our hearts that we might proclaim Abba, Father. Like he, he actually says, like, listen, if you'll receive what I'm going after here, not try to climb and try, try to prove it, like, just receive it by faith that you can't do it on your own, that I've come to set you free from that and abounding in grace towards you, then you, you get set free and the spirit of my son enters your heart. And here's why. Because you'll never do it on your own. Because this is a fruitless response because it's so exhausting because you can never get there by yourself. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my spirit of my son to empower you. This is power of God. The gospel is the power of God. The power of God is God's spirit in you saying, I will empower you. I will give you the power to do out of who you are, out of my spirit that is in you to declare Abba, Father. And what this means, like, like Paul used to both, he says, listen, Abba, which is a very familiar term, it's a daddy kind of term. Father. He says, listen, I, why does he repeat himself? I think it's because he's saying, listen, I'm not, I'm not just saying like daddy, like, like, like it's not granddaddy. Because I think that's sometimes how we approach, we, we, we say God is loving and compassionate, slow to anger, and we want to call him granddad, right? He's the granddad, just kind of takes us in, you know, he's loving, he spoils us, he gives us candy, he sends us home. No, Paul is saying that's not, God is like amazing, created the universe, all powerful. I mean, in his presence, everyone is always down to their knees like, ha, ah. and yet he says, and in that moment, the dichotomy that happens at the same time as you're like, ha, ah. Abba, Father, you adore me. You see me as I am, you know all of that, and you adore me. This is what happens when Christ comes. This is what faith does for us. He says, now that you're no longer a slave, you're no longer, you're no longer a slave to climbing the ladder, you're no longer a slave to trying to do to be good enough, you're no longer a slave to all of the things that appeal to you, you're no longer a slave to sin, you're no longer a slave to any of that because you're God's own child. And since you are his child, God made you his heir. And this is so important, this whole idea of being an heir, and we're going to talk about it at the end of the message. Hold on to that word. That means everything. I mean, that is the power of the gospel. This is Paul. He's saying, like, let me preach this gospel to you. Let me help you really grasp it. Because, and here's the thing, if you measure your success, if you measure your success by your own righteousness, by how good you can be good, how, how often you get it right, if you measure, you cannot do it. I mean, that's the, that is the reason that Jesus came. If you could do it by your own righteousness, that would have been a waste. This whole cross thing, this whole Easter thing, there's no celebration. Who cares? It's irrelevant. The reason it's relevant is because he said, you can't, and so I did. And that makes it powerful. And so we put our faith in Christ, and then we find ourselves stuck, still trying to say, well, maybe I just need to be good enough, you know? Maybe... Jesus came, but can I really be good enough? We find ourselves stuck in things that we've been taught. Some of you maybe have grown up in this. Maybe some of you know this. Like, there's two words in the English language, and I think sometimes they hold us back so much. The two words are I should. You ever said these words of yourself? I should. Right? Like, like I should read my Bible more. I, I should be kinder to my coworkers. 
I should, right? I should be a better student. I should. I should pray more. I should do more. I should serve more. I should be a better spouse. I should be a better son. I should be a better daughter. I should be a better parent, a better friend. I should. I should. I should. But I don't. And I'm not. And we find ourselves going, I'm not smart enough or good enough or I don't know, there's something wrong with me. And suddenly we're climbing this ladder and we feel just, ah, I should. Do you know what I should is? I should is the language of self-condemnation, of rejection. That's the language of I should. And, and, and you go into that and you're like, man, I, I feel it. You felt the weight of that. And the only cure for it, listen, the only cure for that, you'll never do it on your own. The only cure for it is the gospel. That's the cure for it, is to preach the gospel to yourself, to receive the gospel over and over and over because despite our best efforts, we will get stuck in I should. And you know the real tension in I should is in that pronoun I. I, I, I. I, I, I. And this is what Jesus said, I came because it's not just you. I came down. God came down and he said, you'll never do it. It's not you, just you anymore. It's us. It's me and you. It's in relationship with me. It's as you put your faith in me and that relationship changes and I put my spirit in you, my death and my resurrection demonstrated and proved to you that you can trust yourself to me. That, that I am on your side, that I have come for you, that it's a real story. It's not a myth or a legend. It's Jesus in the flesh. He did it. It is real. And if you receive it and you accept it, he says, I'll send my spirit into your life. And in the spiritual world, that will make all the difference. Suddenly, you will have the power to live this out, to be true in the deepest part of who you are. And so let me ask you, are you benefiting from God's spirit in your heart? Have you received the gospel, or are you resisting it by climbing the ladder? Because God came down here, and he gave that as a gift to you. But if you resist it, if you're, if you're afraid of it, if you're not allowing that spirit to work in you, it's going to be hard. This is the true gospel, right? This is so, this is so important for you. Listen, look up, look up here a second the gospel. You are loved. Period. That's the gospel. By faith in Christ, your status is established forever. You got nothing to prove. It's no longer you going after him. God's proclaimed it over you. And so listen, if you're trying to change yourself and you feel like you keep failing, you keep going like I'm not, I mean, we, we can't even be the people that we, like, we want to be the right people, right? But we can't even be the right people in our own stuff. We, we want to follow the rules, but we don't even follow our own rules, right? I mean, like just Susie and I just went to the gym the other day and all the people who established the rules at the beginning of the year about going to the gym, they're not following the rules anymore. They're not there anymore. Suddenly the gym was empty again. It was like, great, there's parking spaces again. You're not, I know I just have to wait them out like eight weeks at the gym, right? From the beginning of the year, it's eight weeks, and then they're done, right? We, listen, that's not just them. That's all of us. We can't follow our own rules, more or less God's rules. And God says, you don't have to do it alone. I came for you to set you free. You are loved. You are loved, period. That is the gospel. 
and it is hard for us to receive that by faith. We do not change till we are proved acceptable to God. Jesus made us acceptable so we could change. That's the gospel. We don't say, like, listen, God, let me prove that I'm acceptable to you, and then I'll change. No, no, no. Jesus came. He sent a spirit into your heart by faith. You received that gift, and now you can change. Now that your status is established as love, you can change. Because you don't have to feel guilt. You don't have to punish yourself. You don't have to worry about that lie anymore that you're not worthy of love. The gospel is that you are worthy because God established it. God did it. God knows it. And he proclaims it over you. And what we need to do is stop listening to anything else. Stop wasting energy punishing ourselves. Stop wasting energy worrying about proving ourselves, being anxious about what's ahead. We don't need any of that. You are loved, period. You understand this is... This was never God's intention to go anywhere else. Listen, you may have grown up in a church. You may have some kind of theology in you. You may have grown up in our culture. And this is what they taught you. This is what somebody taught you. Right? They said, you better, you better do, become somebody good. You're, bad people do bad things. Good people do good things. So they, like, this is the gospel. This is what they preached to you. Climb the ladder. Climb the ladder. Climb the ladder. Do you know why? Because people are deathly afraid that if, this has got to be your motivation. That this is the only way to be motivated, by fear. By fear of God. It's the only motivation that's there. And so they're afraid, like, right? right? Some of you are sitting there in the audience today, and you're like, Sean, I, I hear you preaching this, pastor, but I don't think you really know the gospel. Because if you let people off the hook, they're just going to do all kind of stuff. They're going to go crazy. I'm going to let myself go crazy. I've never been motivated by anything, but I better get it done right. Like, people won't share the gospel anymore. People won't do good things for people anymore. My proposition is this. The gospel is that you are now motivated by love. And that that was always God's intention. In fact, go back to Genesis 1. What happens in Genesis 1? In Genesis 1, if you remember the story, this is the story of God's creation. He says, let, let us create man and woman. Let us create them in our in our image, does he say, let us create them and see if they can do good enough stuff to be like us? He says, let us create them in our image. You were created a mama day in the image of God. Initially, he named you. He declared who you were, a worshiper, a child, someone, his beloved creation. That's what he created you as. That's the gospel. That's Genesis 1. Genesis 3 Remember the serpent comes into the garden? Remember the story? Comes into the garden. And what does the serpent preach? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure he loves you? Oh, you want to, you want, God's just holding back on you. You better do something to be like God. You better do something to be somebody. And here's the unfortunate truth for most of us. Many of us find ourselves in our lives saying amen to Satan's serpent, right? Certain times in our life, we're like, yeah, I better do something. And that's not God. That's not the gospel. And we, we, have, we have perpetuated because we're like, we're fearful. And God's like, no, I want to set you free. Jesus came to set you free. He says, don't, don't listen to that gospel. It is not true. You know when Rick and I used to work together in youth ministry, we called this the gospel of mean. Every time we'd hear someone preach it this way, we'd say, we call it the gospel of mean. God loves you if, right? And then, of course, 
cousins here and I, we would mock it a little bit. Like, well, God loves you if you get me a cup of coffee. Right? God loves you if you do something else for me. Because, I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous. Right? And as soon as you say it that way, you're like, well, that is kind of ridiculous. And yet, somewhere down deep in this, if we're not careful, we go after the same thing. God loves me if I'm good. God loves me if I do this. God loves me if I do that. Somewhere down in this, there's a subtle difference, this inconsistent message in there. And this is the gospel. Put your trust in what God already did, in what Jesus already did. And now your status is unchanged. And I want you to hear what that looks like and the proclamation of that. I want you to hear from one of the, somebody at Daybreak, a dear friend of mine, a sister in Christ, and this is her story. Let's listen. About eight years ago, I was serving hard in ministry, and I was enjoying being on a team that I was a part of. On the outside, everything looked like it was going great, and that I had everything under control. On the inside, however, I was struggling, but I was doing a great job of hiding it and not allowing anybody to see what was really going on. This went on for quite some time, until it somewhat got the best of me, because it's really hard to bottle up your real emotions and feelings um, and not allow people to see them. Looking back, I can see that I was stuffing my, my feelings and emotions of anger and frustration. Eventually, I began doing what I call leaking because I couldn't keep those feelings bottled up inside any longer. And they began to show on the outside and I no longer felt like I had control um, of my emotions. It was suggested to me that I take a ministry break to take some time to sit back, process what was really going on within me. I had been serving in ministry for so long that I didn't know who I was if I wasn't serving. I didn't know what people were going to think of me, and I didn't like that I was concerned with what would they think of me if I wasn't serving on a Sunday morning? Could my team manage without me if I wasn't there? My identity was so wrapped up in the things that I was doing that I had to prove myself to other people to have any kind of self-worth. I worried about what people thought of me. It was definitely time for me to find out who I was and who God created me to be. Because I was pretty sure that the person, um, this anger and frustration that I had become wasn't who God created me to be. As I spent time with God, and with other spiritual leaders, I was able to process my feelings and emotions. It took a long time. It was a long, slow process. Definitely not something that I was able to do overnight or was even willing to do. At first, I was even unwilling to recognize that I had done anything wrong, that I needed to change anything. I had told some people that I was coming back to ministry and when I was coming back to ministry and when I did, here's the things that would change and Here's what I needed people to do to be different so that when I came back, it would be better and I could have things under control and it would all be great. That isn't what God had intended for me. And with some great um, mentors and some people who were committed to helping me at this point in my journey, I was able to have some clarity um, and peace about who God had created me to be. After about a nine month ministry break, I made the decision to resign from a ministry that I loved serving in and a ministry that I had served in for many years. It was time for me to let go of the control that I thought I was so good at 
and let God be in control and just be free to be me, the person he created me to be. I wasn't able to get to this place quickly. This, as I said, was a long and slow process and a journey for me. Um, and it's something that I still need to be aware of today to not allow myself um, to want to prove myself to other people, but stand firm um, and know that God loves me for who I am and who he created me to be. Alex, it's just subtle, right? Like, even in good things, right? Even like, hey, we're going after these good things. There's a subtle change. It's so subtle, like, hey, I, I, I want to I do these good things, and somewhere down deep in us, and, and we're like, to please God. And underneath that, please God, underneath that sense, is something that tells us, because if I don't please him, I'm not worthy of his love. i got to win his love. It's our way of saying, look, God, look, I did this. Look, somebody else, look. Look, I'm worth it. I'm valuable. There's something here. It's so subtle. And the gospel, the gospel is not like do that and win something. The gospel is I do, you heard when I say it, out of who I am. Out of my status is unchanged. She's such a great leader in our church. She's some amazing things. Her ministry has changed, but more than her ministry changing, her person has changed. And now everything flows out of who she is. And that's set her free. And that's the gospel, right? Like, I risk, I share my life, and I'm no longer asking the questions of if, if I do this, if I have to do that, if I'm good enough. We're always proclaiming because, because of who God said I am. Because of my faith in Christ. That's the gospel. So powerful. Listen, your life can proceed. Everything in your life can proceed and be motivated by the gracious, good love of God. It doesn't have to be motivated by fear or anxiety or worry or failure. It doesn't have to be perceived from any of that. It can now proceed from the love of God. Your mind is no longer clouded before that exam. Because you know who you are. And there's nothing proving your love. You can fall asleep the night before that big project and not be spinning all the time because you're preaching the gospel to yourself. And you're saying, listen, God, I don't, there's nothing I need to prove in here to win your love. That's established. I'm just going after this thing. You can, you can work but not unravel under the pressure because you know who you are. It's established. Because you're, not done, you're done listening to the false gospel, what Satan preached, and now you're listening to Jesus. Because listen, in Christ, because of Christ, because of the gospel, you can live like you have nothing to prove. That's freedom. That's what it feels like. To enter into life free, to say, I don't have anything to prove, but I'm going after this because God, out of, out of who I am, I'm a loved son of God, I'm a loved daughter of God, and you've given me something to do, and I, and I all of my motivation now is proving that, and that might feel strange, and it might be go like, is that possible? It is, and that's what we celebrate about Easter, is Jesus made it possible to unleash your creativity, to unleash who you are onto the world, and that creates all kinds of possibilities for you, because now you're doing things in that. That is power, and that is the gospel. So let me just bring this back together for us in Paul says one more thing in Romans 5, and it's so important. And so here it is. He says, therefore, this is the gospel, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace, into the graciousness of God by which we now stand. We just stand in it. We just enjoy it. Do I have to fight for it? No, Paul says you just stand in it. You just absorb it. You just receive it by faith. And that we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We don't boast in the hope of ourselves. We boast in the hope of what God's already done and what he is at work in us. And what is the gospel? Paul says, listen, the gospel is that you're justified by what you do. The gospel is that you're justified by being a moral person. No. Just the gospel is that you are justified by faith. Jesus did it. God laid every bit of justice and Jesus shouldered every bit of sin and all your shortcomings on the cross. You have peace with God. You have confidence in your standing with God. And yet so many of us have a little bit of a different picture of the spiritual world, don't we? We kind of see it more like a bank account, like a spiritual bank account, and we're always making deposits in it. You know, we're like, hey, I better make another deposit because if I'm going to ask God for a favor, right, I better make a good deposit in it so he'll do something for me. I'm gonna, I better be good enough, right, because I got some other stuff in my past. I got some egregious things. And so I, I better be good enough to cover that kind of stuff because maybe, maybe this is true to an extent and it'll cover my little things, but I better make a lot of deposits in the account. And see, this is, remember what Paul said about you have become an heir of Christ, we're going to go back to that first in Galatians where he says you become an heir. Here's why this is so important. The moment you believe in, you entrust yourself, you receive that God came this way. The moment you say, Jesus, I believe in, I receive it, I, I, I accept it, I entrust my life, my spiritual life, my whole life to it. The moment you do that, here's what happens. God deposits, you are now an heir, so God deposits a lifetime fortune into your account that came from Jesus. All of the righteousness, all of the account, all the spending, you can't spend it down. There's so much interest on it. There's so much in there. You can never spend down the grace of God. It is now available to you, and it covers you, and you don't have to worry about it anymore. Your standing is never in question. You don't have to worry about the deposits. All you got to do is make withdrawals in humility and say, God, thank you. Because you're a son or a child, you're a child of God, right? And now it's not the question of like, oh, no, but then, I mean, should, I'm just going to go do whatever I want. No, you're not going to do whatever you want because now you've made a commitment to love God and you feel his love and his love is filling you and his grace is filling you. And out of your life flows that grace because you're now open to it because it's good. That is salvation. Paul says that you are justified. Here's what that theological word means. He said, this is what it means, that you are, it's just as if you never sinned. That's what justified means. When Jesus justified you, he made it just as if you've never sinned. Isn't that crazy? Past, present, future. That's what faith gives you. That's what grace is all about. You know, about, it's been such a long journey for me, and about, about eight or ten years ago, I remember, I just, I had lived climbing that ladder. I mean, I, I would say, I would tell you that I received the gospel, but there was a disparity between what I believed and what I was experiencing. And I was working so hard to do. I still down deep in me was, God, I don't even know if you could really love me. I don't, I'm don't. i just not sure, God. And I, I went on a retreat and I spent some time really just focused on, God, I just, will you reveal this? Will you help me understand this? I remember sitting down at this table and there's a statue of Jesus. And I sat down at this table and I, 
as I'm sitting there and I'm just praying and I'm just like, God, like, I need, Holy Spirit, will you reveal this to me? You know, as I'm telling the story, probably some of you are like, okay, that's really funky. Like the Holy Spirit's going to like speak to you. Yes. It, it's weird and funky because it's supernatural, right? Because it's God intersecting with our nature. Of course it sounds that way. But the Holy Spirit was so, like, the, the voice of Jesus was so strong in that moment. This is what he said. Sean, you bring to this table. You keep coming to this table with all your gifts and all these things that you've done, and you lay them up on the table like there's something to prove here. He said, it's just insulting. Don't you know I, I laid down my life on the cross for you? And what you're telling me right now is that that wasn't good enough for you. And in that moment, I just, I just felt his love wash over me. Like, oh, that's what I want. I want your grace. And I called that moment a second conversion for me because I repented. And I said, Jesus, I receive again. I receive it more fully than I've ever known it before. That your grace abounds. That your grace abounds. It just abounds in me. That's what I want for you, too you might receive the gospel in that moment, that you might live it out, that you might recognize the disparity in your own life, the places where you're like, man, that is not true. I'm trying to prove it. I'm trying to go after it. I, I'm trying to follow the rules. I'm working so hard for success. I feel all this anxiety. I am desperate, and I need it, and I find myself punishing myself after I've done something wrong, and I'm not living. Like, listen, it doesn't have to be that way. God can do something new in you. You've got to preach the gospel. You've got to receive it by faith. So that's what I offer. On the back, on the second side of your outline, you'll find a whole thing to this week. This is, Linnea said it really well. It's not just, this is a beginning of a journey. This is not just going to happen. You're going to have to go after it. You're going to have to want it yourself. So we offered you a weekly fast again this week. And here's the weekly fast. Performance. To identify the places and the relationships in your life where you are performing to prove your identity, to prove that you are worthy of love. You feel that lie going, you realize that's not true, and you say, you say I'm going to fast from that, I'm going to be done with that, and you receive the gospel. And you say, no, God, I want that instead. That is your fast this week. And there's some reflection questions and some scripture there to help you speak it over yourself over and over, to hear the words of Psalm 103, the Lord is gracious and good and abounding in love. That is the truth of who God is and what Jesus did. So maybe this morning, by faith, you need, like me, a second conversion to receive it again. Maybe this morning, by faith, you need to, you just need for the first time, you've never said that. You've never declared that by faith. You've been climbing the ladder, and you're like, you know what, today I want to receive what God did for me, because I've never even had that conversation with God, I just want to enter into it this morning. And so... Do you feel God inviting you? That's my question. Do you feel an invitation this morning to live differently, to have a different kind of life, to be set free, to, to be redeemed, and to know the freedom that Christ came for you, to allow his spirit into your heart? Would you bow your heads for a moment? I want to pray. I just want to give you a moment. Is God speaking to you this morning? It's the invitation of love towards you this morning. Do you hear the Lord saying, my child, you have nothing to prove if you just trust me. You just entrust yourself to me. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will make us aware 
because we are so unaware of our tendency to prove ourselves that we're worthy of love. This morning, Lord Jesus, this morning, this is our prayer. I repent of the places of proving myself, of, re, of, of in, in essence, rejecting what you've done. Sorry, God. I didn't mean to. You did so much for me, and so today I receive it again. I receive it for the first time. Jesus, I entrust myself to you fully again, to all that you did on the cross, all that you made possible to set me free. Jesus, set me free. I believe that you are God's son, that you shouldered all of my shortcomings, all of my sin, everything else, my status is permanently loved by trusting you. So I want to trust you this morning, Jesus. Make it true in my life.